You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, March 25th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. But today, I, I can't go any longer. It's Fun Friday, ladies and gentlemen. It's a fun crossover special. I can't keep them hiding any longer. If you're watching on YouTube, Lockdown Padres on YouTube, or Lockdown Grizzlies, I'm joined by the host of Lockdown Grizzlies, Mr. Sean Coleman. Dare I say, the, one of the most fun teams in the NBA. That's right. It's a fun Friday crossover. We're going to be talking about a bunch of things, mainly John Morant and Fernando Tatis Jr. and why they are so inextricably attached to just swag and awesomeness, the two of them. But before we get into that, uh, Sean, how you doing? Doing all right. And certainly also want to say, you know, it, it's fun to be with you, Javier. We've interacted before. And, you know, mm-hmm. the big thing is, is that, you know, while I'm, you know, do Locked on Grizzlies and my co-host, Michael Cole, I just, I, I have to put it out there to all the Padres fans. I also have allegiances elsewhere. And then that would be with the 2021 oh, no. Atlanta Braves. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and put a spoiler alert out there. We're going to be talking about Fernando Tatis and John Morant, who, 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 yes, both of them very much have a case to be the most exciting young players in their sport. But if I drop the name Ronald Acuna Jr. in there a few times, please don't hate me. I gotta stay, I gotta stay connected where my allegiances lie. But beyond that, Javier, I'm a huge, huge fan of Fernando Tatis Jr. It's a pleasure. We'll enjoy, we'll enjoy being able to talk with you a bit about both uh, Tatis and Moran. Yeah, absolutely, man. And look. There's no, no offense taken. I think the only team that you can get back, it's Dodgers. You can't do a surprise little hat turn and say that you're a Dodgers fan. If you do that out here, I might get a bunch of flack on Twitter or something like that. I've gotten flack yeah, on Twitter for a lot of arbitrary things. This one wouldn't be arbitrary. They'd be like, hey, what are you doing? That's what says this. Uh, but yeah, Ronald Cooney Jr. does deserve, he gets forgotten a lot, man. Not forgotten. Yeah. It's just that he's, I, I think that we take him for granted a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we forget a little bit that, the Atlanta Braves really do have like a pretty sick, like like core of people that that they have for a long time now, and, and we'll, on a pretty we'll good team. Like the the we'll, we'll go ahead and say we both dislike the Dodgers, though that they, they got Freddie, mm-hmm. Fred, they got Freddie Freeman, who I absolutely yeah. adore. But 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 yeah. the hatred for the Dodgers, we can agree with. So yeah, the Freddie Freeman thing, I've I've long believed that there have been just sleeper agents across the league that are helping the Dodgers, whether it be Boston with sending them over Mookie Betts, whether it be the Max Scherzer trade. I don't know if this is a sleeper agent on the Braves part because they did replace him with someone. They did. Per, per se, with Matt Olson. If they didn't trade for Matt Olson, I would have said something's going on here. Something's wrong. If you guys are, you literally have Albies and Acuna on great contracts and then you go out and don't do it, that, that I would have been suspicious of that. But well, we're not here I, to talk I, about Braves, Sean. Oh, and I'm going to be honest with you, though, since we're talking about Padres. So legitimately, I, I was talking with, uh, you know, it's, I cover the Braves for, for um, you know, for other sources as well. But uh, the reason mm-hmm. that I brought up the Padres is I know that Hosmer has four years, 59 million left. I know that they were potentially looking to move on from him. You also got mm-hmm. Will Myers. I don't know if they would have attached a C.J. Abrams or a McKenzie Gore yeah. or what are their top outfield prospect. I can't think of his name now. But. 
My point was, was that I was always looking at the fact that the Padres could have been moving on from Hosmer by attaching one of their top prospects. And then perhaps they wanted to unite Charlie Freeman and Fernando Tatis. And yeah. maybe the, the mm-hmm. Padres were the sleeper for Freddie. But alas. That's what people are hoping for, man. That's what people are hoping for. And of course, that player's name that you just mentioned, longtime bit of the podcast, you might not be familiar with. I do not say his name on this podcast. You can. It's fine. But uh, oh. the ground ball gremlin. Is a cursed uh, name by the host. <laughs> GBG. We we have GNG. We, we we have the grit and grind era. Y'all got GBG. No, we, we won't mention your name. Yeah, redacted. There we go. There. Redacted. See, redacted. the comparisons are already there, man. We're killing yeah. it already. We're killing it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and everybody, please go check out Shad's work over at SB Nation for their Grizzlies and uh, Braves blogs, respectively. But let's like start getting into this, man. I mean, I'm down to just talk about baseball stuff and whatnot for sure. But let's talk about this, right? I reached out to you because. It was about like three weeks ago, I think I came up with the idea because John Morant started just going nuclear Uh over with the Grizzlies. And I know that people who are listening to this, they might be used to baseball talk. Hear me out. It's going to be good. And it really started with like the 50-point game and the half-court, full-court lob where he then catches it out of bounds and throws it in the basket. He's doing the dance moves after scoring. And then it hit me. I was like, all right, yeah, John Morant probably isn't the best player in the NBA. That is one difference between, I think, I think most people would say when healthy, Tatis is one of the five best players. Um, John Morant probably getting there at some point, but he has that draw and he has this electricity for a variety of reasons. And I really think that, I, I just, I, I said it out loud. I was like, John Morant is the Fernando Tatis Jr. of the NBA and vice versa. Like, I just can't really find anyone else that makes a lot of sense for that you might say oh you're curry's it's like yeah but curry's finesse and he's just there's there's something not as wild about steph curry aside from his literal play well john morant he's got a bunch of things whether it be the hair the swagger the small market stuff and we're gonna get into all that but you know i'm glad that you agree with me and that's why you're on this podcast yeah, no, and, and I'll say that and it's a phenomenal idea. When you reached out, I was very excited to do it. I know that we, we kind of, you know, took a bit to get our schedules together. But, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's the T, it's the P, and it's the B, right? You've got mm-hmm. elite talent of a player in Tatis Jr. and Morant who could be, you know, already arguably both are, you know, Tatis is in the MVP conversation every year. Obviously, Morant is for the first time this year. You've got the talent. You've got the persona on both ends. Both of Mm -hmm. these players know how good they are. They know it's a result because they want to be the best that they can be at all times. And so that's why it reflects when they're on the field. But also you've got the brand. These Both of these yeah. players are very aware of the pool that they have, of the magnetism in a positive way of they have, how much fun is involved in how they play. But also, that's why they're so good. They involve all this production and talent in the world, but do it in a fun way. So you've got the talent, you've got the persona, and you've got the brand on both ends that makes each of them in their respective sport one of the biggest stars, names, and brands moving forward for both baseball and basketball. Yeah, and that's the thing is also when it comes to that that star and brand thing, I think part of the brand is, you know, it's also been a quick buildup for both of these players. I don't think that this, like, John Morant was drafted uh, three years ago, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the same class as Zion Williamson. And there's a a connection we have to go and bring up already that I actually just remembered where for baseball, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was kind of like that number one prospect for a while. Great and then parallel. Tatis was considered like he was out there and then he started rising a little bit. John Morant, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I remember him being viewed as like, I forgot where exactly he played uh, in college, but everyone was like, okay. And then towards the end of this, the college basketball season, people were like, 
I mean, are we sure we're going to take a, a a flyer on this guy? I mean, I know he's got to be one of the top picks, but like he plays for whatever. He doesn't play for Duke or Kentucky, right? And with Tatis, a little bit similar where he has this Vlad Jr. kind of comparison where everyone's like, that's clearly the guy that you want. And all of a sudden they debut and you're like, oh my God, like this is this is legit. Like these guys are superstars. Yeah, and you're it, it is a wonderful, wonderful parallel. John Moran is from Murray State. He was viewed as Murray the number State, two pick. But you typically don't see a guy from a school that's size in Murray State be able to sit there, be a number two pick in the draft, especially after someone who's been a heralded phenom, maybe the most heralded phenom in basketball since LeBron James. You expect Mm -hmm. Zion to be the guy who's rose like Ja has. But Ja's actually exceeded that. Look at, but your parallel's correct. Vlad Guerrero coming from the pedigree that he has being Vlad Guerrero's senior son. He was heralded from the beginning as being one of the best pedigree bats we've seen. But also with Fernando Tatis Jr., who would have thought when the White Sox traded him to y'all for James Shields, the White Sox wouldn't have done that if they thought he would become what he has. But Mm -hmm. you're absolutely correct. Both Tatis and Morant were in the shadow of an all-time pedigree player. Mm -hmm. And listen, Vlad and Zion both have the talent. Zion, unfortunately, just his injuries have kept him from delivering. But your point's there. I think very few people expected the immediate rise to stardom of Tatis Jr. and Morant that have happened for both. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a little bit about the team makeup, what they've done for their teams, because that's another thing. But you know what rose to stardom pretty quickly? Sean? What's that? Like, in my opinion, I think once you heard about you were all in. Those are built bars, my friend. The best really? protein bars in all the galaxy, man. They're they're the best. They're the best. I love these things. I, you know, it's hard sometimes to stick to your New Year's resolutions and what have you. And you, you crave it. You have that sweet tooth. Well, built bars help you out. All right, and check out their macros. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, and you are thriving. And of course. Flavors, man. I mean, I mean, I don't know if you have a favorite flavor. Mine personally is Apple Almond Crisp. That is just a delicious, underrated, dare I say, built bar. Uh, dare, dare I say. And then you've got white chocolate cookies and cream, coconut almond, coconut, mint brownie. You've got eggnog and gingerbread. I know Christmas was like three months ago, but they do different flavors all the time is what I'm getting at, guys. And because you're listening to this podcast, you can go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And of course, guys, thank you for making Locked On Padres and Locked On Grizzlies your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Sean, let's keep it moving, man. Let's keep it moving. Now let's talk a little bit about, before we get even more into their talent, because it's so hard to resist just talking about how fun these guys are to watch. Let's talk about what they've done for their teams, right? Yep. The Padres are a little bit more so than I'd say the Grizzlies, a little bit widely viewed as a little bit of a joke of a franchise. Pre-2000, I'm going to even say pre-2015. I'll give them a little bit longer because that was when they were your Pittsburgh type of team. They were a Tampa type of team, except not to the same success. And what I mean by that is they were recycling and rebuilding and hoping on prospects for years. 
those Brian and here comes Giles years need more respect. The Brian Giles San Diego years need more respect, Javier. Now go ahead. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll put some respect on their name and whatnot. <laughs> but I think one thing is for sure is that the Padres have probably been their most exciting and interesting since like those late 90s teams that unfortunately ran into the Yankees buzzsaw in the World Series when they had Ricky Henderson one year, and then you have Caminetti and you have Steve Finley, and Greg of course Ball. you have Tony Gwynn. Yeah. But I think that what's happened here is it's almost changed the outlook of the Padres where you bring in Tatis, you sign to 14 year deal and he's put them on the map, right? That's very hard to do in baseball, especially when you're a smaller market, right? It's very hard. Like I'd be look at, you know, you look at Mike Trout over in the angels. It's not a small market team necessarily, but you know, hasn't necessarily made him the most famous athlete ever. Tatis, just with the way he plays, he's kind of transformed the team. And all of a sudden, there's they're spending money now, and they have the fourth highest payroll, right? They trade for Blake Snell and you Darvish and Joe Musgrove and, and all these other guys, right? Has it all worked out for them lately? Not necessarily, but in terms of just putting them on the map, everybody being like, wow, the Padres have arrived. It's not a traditionally huge, huge market. And I don't think the Grizzlies are either. In a, in a land that has the New York Knicks leading first take all the time and the Lakers, even though they're, they're terrible, right? The Grizzlies are not usually up there. I think that that's one key component of both Tatis and Morant is that they've helped bring and uh, revitalize, dare I say, the kind of community that they are currently playing for. Absolutely. And there are many layers to it, right? Listen, it, it, Tatis Jr. Mm -hmm. in San Diego, Morant in Memphis, they're the headliners. They're the face of the whole movement as they should be. Because at the end of the day, they're the most critical talents to long-term sustainable success and hopefully championship runs for Tatis and the Padres and for Morant and the Grizzlies. But the thing that you stand out here and see is that you've seen it much more with Tatis. Listen, y'all landed Manny Machado with that 10-year, $300 million deal. Mm -hmm. You likely don't see yourself in that mix unless Tatis Jr. is there. But even bigger, the more to me, the most important figure besides Tatis Jr. in this whole equation for the Padres is GM A.J. Preller, who has come in and mm -hmm. not only been aggressive in making moves, but has done an outstanding job of leading to development. The Padres system has been one of the best in base Baseball. You've still got mm -hmm. McKenzie Gore. You've still got C.J. Abrams and other talents that are there. Hopefully, Chris Paddock, R Ryan Weathers, they find their way soon. But my yeah. point is, is that you're backing the development of an of an unexpected media superstar like Tatis Jr. with the development track that can give you sustainable success through trades or through filling in mm -hmm. holes that you needed. The Grizzlies are the same way. At the same time, John Morant came up and became the player he has, which is a result of the Grizzlies developing talent correctly. They also have done it to back him up, which has turned them into one of the better teams in the NBA, but also one who has plenty of assets to go get true stars to support Morant in time. Yep. So it's not just Morant and Tatis. Yes, they rightfully are the face of these two franchises, but it's also the GM, Zach Kleiman, for the Grizzlies, Preller for the Padres, who have surrounded both of these elite talents with the support systems that can make them long-term championship contenders, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Triple J, Jerry Jackson Jr. has been killing it. I know he was a fancy basketball monster, a steal and a block and a half or whatever a game, scoring all these points. And he was a guy that was injured and finally has kind of burst onto the scene, has been a stud for them. Uh, you know, you've got, I think, Dylan Brooks on the team. I'm blanking on the rest of the team of the Grizzlies for some reason right now. But they've got a lot to it. I think that that's one key aspect, like you mentioned, is that the Padres aren't just Tatis. Are they infinitely better? And is his injury that I complained about that was really ridiculous happened to really, really hurt them that's true but like you said there's a nice group surrounding them yeah. and one of the things that i hate in, in sports often and this doesn't happen in baseball i think this actually happens in your sport more often is when people love to just act like they forget that it's a team sport 
You know what I mean? They do this a lot. They're like, oh, Luca, he's just going to go off. And that's why I have the Grizzlies being the second seed. I'm like, all right, dude, like the only player I've really seen, it's probably LeBron and Durant are the only ones I've seen where it's like, yeah, man, I've seen them take the cold, dead carcass of lineups <laughs> to the finals and championship games, right? Like for the most part, you need talent. And that's not an indictment. That doesn't mean that John Morant or whatever, or any other player that because they don't pull through by themselves that doesn't make them a superstar it's team sport and i think that that's a really good point is that the grizzlies they've maximized their draft picks and also also considering here's another comparison the padres after 2015 they're in a bad sh- bad shape aj Peller started off a little bit rough he trades for myers he trades for kimbrell trades for matt kemp trades for justin upton it's exciting but feels like you're putting together a fantasy team so they're losing draft picks they're losing cap they lose trey turner who's like an mvp candidate now right but he's able to bounce back similar to where the Grizzlies were not too long ago. I remember, like you said, the grit and grind. When you have Zebo, you have Zach Randolph. When you got Tony Allen, when you have Mike Conley, everyone was like, oh no, this is just, they're heading nowhere. You know what I mean? They, they have a good team, but not a good team to win. And they're able to reset. And I think that that's what's been a really big key. And then of course you get John Morant, much to the chagrin, I think of Knicks fans everywhere. Well, and I'll say this at the end of the day, one other thing that Tatis Jr. and Morant have shown is that, listen, the equation stays the same. For you to truly build a championship contender, you have to have a top 10 type player. That will always yeah. remain the same, I feel. But with Tatis Jr. and Morant, the narrative that has changed is that you can have that type of player in small markets. You can have them anywhere. Listen, in mm-hmm. baseball, the last time we saw a small market, or at least it would be considered a small market when the World Series, was likely Kansas City back in 2015. Yeah. But just this past year in the NBA, we saw Milwaukee with Giannis win the title, mm-hmm. which was a great thing for small markets everywhere. But I think, Javier, that's what the that's where the narrative has changed. That's why it's so important for the success of Tontis Jr. and John Morant to last, is that yes, you certainly do need to remain, you need certainly as a team and a franchise do need to have a superstar, but you can have them anywhere. And the great thing about it is, is that with the style and flamboyance and overall, you know, excitement yep. that comes with how Morant and Fernando Tontis play, that also is attractive as well. So it's great. I, I'll be honest. If either Moran or Tatis Jr. were, you know, kind of quiet, kept to themselves type superstars, sure, that'd be great. But let's not lie to ourselves. It's a bit more exciting. It's a bit more <laughs> enjoyable. It's a bit more valuable that they're not only superstars, but they know that they are and they play with an excitement that certainly attracts fans, talents, and attention across the nation outside of just their markets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just kind of when you look at Moran, I mean, it's just the Instagram. I'm just scrolling through and I'm like, you cannot resist. I see ESPN putting their games on more. And you notice that a little bit with the Padres too, where the ESPN was like, they really kind of, not ESPN specifically, but like a lot of people, they're drumming up Dodgers Padres because they're like, you got to put these two teams on there. These two teams have a row. And a big part is that Tatis is on there. And it says a lot that if I'm just watching like around the horn or you're parting the interruption, some mainstream core, um, you know, sports shows that leading candidates on those shows it's remarkable that baseball is even being talked about at all on those shows sometimes, and they bring up Tatis. Unfortunately, lately, not for the best reasons, but they bring up Morant. They bring up the fact that watching this guy, I mean, heck, even their hairstyle is diff- is, is something that stands out for a lot of people, right, with Javarea doing the dances and all that stuff. But before we get into kind of, you know, not wanting to keep into themselves at that point that you made there uh, at the end there, before we get into that, what I wanted to talk about, guys, first – It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, 
contests, and player pops. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. Remaining the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Not just basketball, guys. Not just college basketball. Not just that. They've got you covered with baseball, obviously. Your spring training is around us, but they've got bets for you and whatnot. They probably got you some Oscar stuff around there, too. I cannot wait to complain about the Oscars again. One of my favorite annual traditions. And they've got hockey. They've got UFC, boxing, whatever you want. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. You can't bet on the Tennessee Volunteers anymore, and it's just a shame. But check out betonline.net. It's great. But go go ball. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee kind of kind of murked my bracket a little bit yesterday. All right, next like, subject, Javier. Thank you, sir. Next subject, please. <laughs> So I want to, to talk about now is you mentioned like, yeah, these guys could keep to themselves. They could be a Mike Trout. I have no problem with Mike Trout, right? The problem with baseball oftentimes, in my opinion, has been that they don't allow people Absolutely. to be more Absolutely. outside there. It's not that we have that there's something wrong with being humble and keeping yourself and just having good vibes and tweeting little plain emojis. But it's just that they often go against those people that are a little bit more flamboyant. Case in point. I want to talk about now, what do you think are the big moments and plays on the court and on the diamond that have really kind of brought these guys into the mainstream kind of consciousness and, and um, zeitgeist? And for me, when it comes to not keeping to themselves, I actually think that Tatisus was a little bit more controversial. Um, obviously, people were starting to grow a little bit into it. You had the 2019 season, right? When he stole home, well, basically stole home on a pop fly to like the second baseman ran there. People were like, oh, this this player, that shortstop over there is exciting. Hopefully he stays healthy. But for me, it was, yes, it was the play. And yes, part of this was the youth too. But it was the 3-0 Grand Slam when I feel like everybody started paying attention to him. It wasn't – and what's funny is it's not like he did anything particularly swagtastic on that play. It's just that he hit the Grand Slam and people were like, oh, this is great. And then the reaction. And as a result, bringing him more into the consciousness, bringing more eyes to it because people were like – what the heck? And unlike previous players who have, quote unquote, br- you know, broken the unwritten rules, Tatis at the time of this 3-0, 100% approval rating. He's too young and too new in the league to have anyone that hates him. You know, your Carlos Gomez types, right? Maybe your, I don't know, some other player, the, the Astros players, right? People actually have reasons to detest those people. Tatis. So everyone looked at this and are like, you got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? You have the ground ball gremlin not necessarily immediately sticking up for him, being like, yeah, I'll talk to him about that. You have manager Jason Tingler. Yes, he did come back on these remarks. It was this whole thing. And then everyone was like, yeah, screw this. You know what I mean? This is dumb. And I'm wondering, do you think that there was any kind of moment a little bit similar to that for Mr. John Moran? Yeah, I think that one thing that stands out, first off, I'll say this. One of the things that comes across to me is that the one other thing that really hits on both these players with how special talents they are, people, brands, things like that, they know, both Tatis Jr. and Morant know, that for them to be the best version of themselves, which at the end of the day, they aggressively want to be, it's for them to truly be themselves as well. And what I mean by that is this. Anybody who was offended or anybody who was disappointed or something like that at how Fernando Tatis acted once he hit home runs or things such as that, the issue is with you. And and that's what that's where it comes from with Fernando Tatis is because in basketball, it, it, people are a lot more accepting of people, you know, celebrating yeah. play, playing with the flamboyant style that in baseball, they're not. Well, that needs to change about baseball for baseball to grow mm-hmm. as it wants to. But the point that I'm getting at, Javier, is this, is that with 
the way that it is with John Moran. It actually was not a lot of the successes. It was the near successes or the efforts of the fact that Morant was afraid of no one when it came to trying to get the poster dump. One of the things that really stood mm-hmm. out about John Morant, unlike Tati sitting home runs, was the was the missed dunks from Morant. But another <laughs> thing that I think stands out about both of these players is that they are so good and so elite in areas where you traditionally do not see their yeah. positions be elite at. Morant getting into the lane are, this year, being the best paint scorer, being the best at-the-rim producer, arguably, in the league with his dunks and things like that. He has the ability to show so much once he gets to the rim. You usually don't see that from a point guard. That adds to the allure. With Fernando Tatis Jr., yes, you've seen power-speed combo before, but you haven't seen it this immediate or to yeah. this level from a shortstop before. So the fact that they are so elite and raising the levels of being elite in aspects of the game that you typically don't see from players at their position, I think that adds to the allure and the mystique of both of their brands. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, don't get me wrong. There's like a lot of good shortstops in baseball right now, but you're right. There's something about the power. The fact that this guy hit like 40 plus home runs last year and missed like a whole bunch of games too. He could probably reach 50 if he was fully healthy. He's got that power and he just, you forget if people were just watching him bad. They might forget that he's a shortstop. You know, yeah. just back in the day, I remember when baseball was in a weird spot where, like, the number one shortstop was Troy Tulowitzki, who would never stay healthy. Uh, hopefully, Tatis doesn't follow in the footsteps of that uh, kind of pattern. But you had him, Hanley Ramirez, Ian Desmond. That was kind of it. You know what I'm saying? And now it's just like a surplus of shortstops. And even with that, even with that, he still manages to stand out. And I think even in the NBA where you have a bunch of point guards, you've got Kyrie Irving, you've got my boy Chris Paul, you've got a ton of different point guards that are really good for a bunch of teams. Darius Garland breaking out this year. John Morant has so far, like so much outpaced, at least in terms of just watching them play, the excitement of those guys. And I think that that's a really key aspect of this. But you're right, Ben. It's just kind of – it's just really nuts. It's a good example of why – you know, I know that in the NBA this happens more – where people are talking about the tank and the discourse of whether or not you should tank and whatnot. But it just shows you, man, it's so cliche to say, but when you get that right one player, it really can transform everything. And I think that's the case with both teams here. Yeah. And like I say, you know, it's not that we haven't seen what they've done before, but the people that we've seen it do before have become legendary type talents. Like for instance, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I don't think that there's been a power speed combination from the shortstop position in the form of Fernando Tatis Jr. There probably hasn't been that since A-Rod back in the mid nineties. Now it may be a bit Hanley Ramirez, but I don't think he got to the level that Tatis or A-Rod did. With John Morant, you see his instant impact, the style that he's played, you compare a lot to Derrick Rose when he won his MVP. You look at a Russell Westbrook, you look at a John Wall, those players were all exciting. So it's not that we haven't seen this level of play before from this young of players. We've seen versions of it, but it's just now the fact that we haven't seen it in a while and the fact that along with it comes the style and you know the flamboyance and just the excitement around Tatis Jr. and Morant, it's so exciting, especially when it's happening in small markets and showing proof that these small markets can move forward and be true contenders due to players that not only play well, but also enjoy playing well as well. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And before we kind of, our last points I wanted to say, you just got any more favorite plays of John Morant? Because for me to this day, I think number one, I have two for Tatis. It's the the game tying home run against the Houston Astros last year. 
And part of that is because Don Orsillo lost his mind on the call saying it's going out onto the track. And then he just comes back. He puts on the swag chain and all that stuff. God, I just get nostalgic thinking about it as well as the wild card home run that ends up being the cover of MLB, the show. I am curious. Do you have a favorite specific moment when you hear John Morant like top plays moments? Yeah. Uh, you know, of course. So from his rookie season, there was certainly the block on Kyrie Irving in his third ever game yeah. that, that, that really put him out there. That also happened to be his 30, uh, the first 30 point game. Um, you know, a few weeks later, it was his ability to, you know, get his first game winning shot, um, you know, going into Charlotte against three bigs and, and hitting that shot. Mm-hmm. But this year ha- has been the exciting plays. I mean, there have been, <laughs> been there, floated there, but the, the, uh, the, um, uh, pass and catch from Steven Adams with the shot at the end of the half. Mm-hmm. That was outstanding. The two three sixty um uh layups that he's done against the Bulls this year. Yeah. Which recently he finally got it in my opinion, he probably got his best poster to date on Jacob Pertle, by the way, who's awesome to have a game that the world loves named after your last name, like when it comes to Jakob Pertle. But that <laughs> well, so a lot of them have, have happened for Morant, it's finally converting those opportunities. But I would say, I would say probably that block on Kyrie, the game winner, his rookie year from Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the floater to you know seal the game against Golden State last year, and then of course, you know, the the, the 360 uh, layups have been outstanding to see. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would add the jumping 87 feet into the air block where he just uh, grabbed the ball. Yes. I forgot which team that was against, but it I was bring it up my mom it was the asked me. It was, it was, it was the Lakers. Lakers. Forgive me for not thinking about that. that he, so, so see, that's, okay. the crazy, that's the crazy thing about it, right? We sit here and talk about Morant's paint scoring, mm-hmm. how good he is near the rim and things like that. But two of his biggest plays, his best plays that have purely shown his athleticism are the block against Kyrie and the block mm-hmm. against the Lakers. Look at Tatis Jr. the same way. We want to talk about the home runs, the big hits, the mm-hmm. so on. But his fielding plays, he's made two or three He's had made plays. great plays before, yeah. So the point that I'm getting at is we love both these guys for what they do consistently, the power and speed of, you know, the offensive side of things, but defense as well. We also see while they may be areas where both are developing, they still have the ability to every now and then truly show how special they are in plays. And so that just continues as to what makes them outstanding. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Just absolutely great. Yeah, my Bob literally asked me like once a week, to show her the job of block every now and then. She's just like, that was just insane. Like, I can't believe that uh, it was video game stuff, video game stuff. Uh, they, they, you know, play on both sides of the ball. It's great. I'm wishing your Grizzlies the best of luck. You guys got playoffs coming up. You are, are you the three seed or the two seed right now? We're, we're right. We're right now. I believe the two seed right there. And I wish your, uh, wish uh, your shortstop uh, the best of luck in health. Baseball is a better game with Fernando mm-hmm. Tatis Jr. There. Now, as we've discussed, my allegiances are very, very secure for another baseball team. And, uh, and and Javier, if you could remind me, um, who was the 2021 World Series champion? If you if you don't mind me asking. That was the team that beat the Los Angeles Dodgers at one point. That is the Atlanta Braves, my friends. The Atlanta. The That's Atlanta how I'm going to frame it. Uh, but no, the World Series, yeah, beating the Astros is whatever, but beating the Dodgers was very, very good. At the end of the day, all joking aside, I love the Braves, love the Grizzlies as well. The Padres, though, are a very fun team. Petco Park is a stadium I absolutely want to visit. One of the best, in my opinion, one of the best places to play a game in all of sports. But listen, baseball is be- is at its best with Fernando Tatis Jr. as being one of the superstars that it promotes. Same with Ronald Acuna, Vlad Guerrero, all ever. But I certainly wish uh, uh, Fernando Tatis nothing but the best of health. And you and all the Padres fans, nothing but the best this season. 
Absolutely. Thank you, sir. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Or you could follow Sean at Stats, S-A-C on Twitter. Follow Lockdown Grizzlies and all that. Sean, what do you got coming up for the show that you might want to tease the old fans oh, yeah. of? Oh yeah, so the Grizzlies have a pretty tough schedule coming up. They've they've been able to kind of you know get through some ease, but of course we're seeing John Morant coming back from injury. Hopefully he'll be back you know here you know to play to his normal level, getting some you know continuity going with Dylan Brooks back as well. Very tough schedule coming up for the Grizzlies, and of course you know that does include seeing what's going out in the West rest of the Western Conference. So if you enjoy good basketball, the Grizzlies are one of the best teams in the NBA. They got a tough stretch coming up. If you want excitement but also meaningful games, make sure to. Check out the Grizzlies as we end March on a pretty tough schedule. Be sure to do that, folks. And until next time, stay safe. And, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.